Welcome to Just a Book Club, where we talk about books that are just books. They're not valuable at all. I promise. There's nothing of note in these books to talk about. They're not literature. They're just books. This is Just a Book Club, where we talk about books that are just books, uh, specifically um, the Animorphs series. The goal is to get through all of them. We'll see how far we get. Today, we're talking about um, book one, uh, which is The Invasion, uh, book one of Animorphs by K.A. Applegate. Um, should Should we do a brief summary? Does that sound good? Suffice it to say that the book is about preteens who can morph into animals. Um, Aliens invade, powers transferred over to them, and they're then tasked with fighting off the evil aliens using their newfound powers to morph into animals. So that's what it's about. But I'm interested, Rowan, in what is the book about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, so I think one of the things that stuck out to me the most about, you know, coming into this again, right? I was really into this, uh, into this series as a kid uh-huh. um, in elementary and middle school. Um, and I think one of the things that really sticks out um, this time around, I've never actually read the first one was um you know the the actual scene where uh the you know the the there's five kids and they encounter this this crash site um and this alien is like dying and you know says like hey i've got a mission for you and all that stuff um and and the language is very black and white which is really interesting right like like from the get-go we have this description of like, you have to go help these aliens or not. You have to, you have to like, I have to give you this power so that you can defeat these aliens. They are unequivocally and completely and totally evil. Um, and you have to, you have to beat them or else bad things will happen. Right. Because they are completely and totally evil. Um, and it's a, it's a really interesting note to start on partially because i feel like um there there it feels like applegate kind of plays with the genre a bit here um you know because like super super powered teens is something we're very familiar with sure um but the the gravity of the situation as it is presented here like this this whole scene is incredibly traumatic right they they have this power, right? They, they receive it. They, they go hide while the evil aliens show up. And, and a procession of, like, very horrifying things start to happen. Um, you know, they're, you know, the minions of the, the villains of this story are tasked with bringing the heads of these preteen children to, um, you know, to the leader... Uh, as as one example, um, it it feels like kind of a the the middle school version of Game of Thrones, right? Where mm-hmm. it says like, oh, well, like this isn't your average, you know, fun sci-fi. 
where you know preteens get powers this is like we're gonna go pretty you know this is gonna get pretty intense pretty quickly yeah you know it's interesting that the elephant in the room thematically of course is that here are these kids about to step into the terrifying world of puberty and becoming young, young adults leaving their childhood behind and transforming into a teenager transforming into adults and so here they are transforming into animals right mm -hmm. and uh i think what i appreciate it about it is you're talking about this intensity right from the beginning it is you know chapter one okay it's your job to save the world now and just the gravity of that on their shoulders and for children who have to leave behind their childhood and enter into adulthood that's what it feels like it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and I think that's what he's trying to capture here because that's what it feels like to that individual child. Even though every child has gone through it in the history of humankind to the individual, that's how serious it feels. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, keeping in line with this, with this theme of transformation, right. There's, there's a lot, this idea of, of transformation is, is the, the nature of secrecy and the importance of secrecy, right. In, in this mm. context, Right. Where it is impressed upon these children that like you have to keep the secret because you don't know who you can trust. Mm. Um, and it's kind of weird because. Again, almost initially, it seems. Not that difficult to know who you can trust, right? Like, uh -huh. like they, they figure out who is and is not um, a uh, a controller, I believe is the term they figure out who is and is not a controller pretty simply. Right. It. Um, you know, there's, there's a bit of disbelief when Jake finds out that his brother is one, um, is yeah. possessed, but overall, um, it, it seems to be pretty, not intensely obvious, right? Not so obvious that if you didn't know what you were looking for, that you'd find out, but they know what they're looking for. And it seems to, to demonstrate itself pretty easily. And so the fact that they're concerned that they have to keep all of these things a secret because they don't know who they can trust and you never know who's going to be a controller is is kind of interesting there's a there's a dissonance there um where you know you wonder can like how much do does this do these children's perceive perception of reality actually map onto what is act you know in onto what is true mm. oh yeah i'm and i'm glad you brought up the controllers because it's it certainly is no coincidence that Every adult who has speaking lines <laughs> in this story turns out to be a controller. And the these adults are very stereotypical authority figures too. A police officer, an assistant principal, an older brother, right? And there's this, this sense of uh, distrust of authority, but also distrust of adults and kind of it captures really well how children at that stage, how they view the adults in their life. There's a distrust. You've spent your whole childhood trusting adults. And then there's a real switch when that transformation happens. 
right? As you go into puberty, all of a sudden, because of that transformation, because of these new powers that you have, you are suspicious of and you do not trust the same adult figures that you trusted your entire life because now things are different. The story is different now. Things have changed. You are no longer just a child. You're an anamorph, right? You've got powers from, from uh, alien visitors. You know, you have the powers of, of adulthood now as you, as you go into puberty. And that's really fascinating to me. And I, it's something we see with a lot of coming-of-age stories that the children can depend on each other, but they can't depend on adults. Adults yeah. in these stories tend to be the the fools, the ones who uh, fall prey to the monsters or the aliens or the adversaries. They're not always the adversaries themselves, right? Usually it's some kind of other monster or alien or whatever it is that's the real adversary, but the parents, the authority figures, they're certainly not helping, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, another interesting theme that, that kind of came up in this um, typically when when you're looking at this kind of story, uh, it feels like the the power in question is very distinctly tied to the conflict, mm. right? Um, the the example that comes to my mind pretty consistently in this case is Danny Phantom, right? Mm. Um, he he has the power to turn into a ghost, and so he fights ghosts, mm. right? Um, and so I think the nature of of the powers that they have received, this ability to transform into animals is really interesting in in the context of the enemy they are facing, which is mm. a little slug that um, essentially has the power to turn into people, mm. um, right? Where there's, it, it kind of feels almost like a, a description of like the Cold War in a sense, right? Mm. Where there are these, um, you know, your side, your people have a specific method of espionage, right? Where you have to sneak in, you have to turn into an animal so that people can't see you, so that they don't know who you are, so they don't recognize you. Um, but at the same time, your enemies have the power to look like your friends so that you can't see them and you can't recognize them and you don't know who they are. Um, and... So yeah, it, the 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 back and forth that creates um, is you know, and, and and the consequences of that are really important. I think, kind of, walk the line between a, a few different um, concepts, right? Where we have, I want to say it's Tobias is the character who um, ends up staying as a as a bird for too long as a hawk mm. and get stuck that's one of the consequences of this power is that you can only be in a certain form for so long or else mm. you get stuck um and i think that speaks to the adulthood metaphor in part right mm -hmm. um there's this fear of losing your ability to change that comes mm. with that right if if i stay one thing for too long I 
I can't be adaptable. I can't change. I can't, I'm, I'm stuck. Right. And I can't be stuck. Um, but then also, you know, on the other hand, if, if you want to look at this as kind of a, a war metaphor, it, it works for that as well. Right. This, the, the consequences that come from going undercover and from, from trying to be stealthy and sneaky and, um, you know, the, the lasting and, and traumatic consequences that can come from that are, are really dangerous and, and hard to deal with. Right. You become the enemy. You spend enough yeah. time with the enemy that you become them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a, you know, you're right. It's certainly a common theme. Um, you know, thinking of the show Kids Next Door, right? And there was a certain point in time where you were no longer a kid. There was a clear threshold. There was a clear change mark where you went from a kid to a teenager from a, you know, from one side to the other, to the other, to an ally, to an enemy, but you can't straddle both worlds. It's interesting because I teach fifth and sixth grade. So we're talking ages 10, 11, 12. And you see that a lot where they have moments of adulthood, moments where they can articulate themselves like a young adult. They have clearly defined opinions. They clearly want to be treated like an adult, but then they'll switch back to, and they'll revert back to the childhood stage. And there are certain parts about being a child that they love and they want to be treated like a child in certain ways and in other ways they hate it. So they are straddling the fence and they're dipping their toes in both worlds. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think this book writes that out very well with this part of the anamorph science where you can't be an animal for more than two hours. And after two hours, you permanently have turned into that animal. And so as you leave your childhood and start to go into adulthood, if you let yourself do adult things and you let yourself think the way adults think and you let adults treat you like an adult for too long, then they'll stop treating you like a child and you will lose your childhood. You will lose your innocence. And whether kids know it or not consciously, I think they pick up on it quite quickly. They're real smart and they know what's going on, you know, even if it's underneath that first layer even if it's kind of in the subconscious. And that's, it certainly makes me more sympathetic to what they're going through. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, Jake's older brother is a, is a really great example of this, right? Because um, I think his name is Tom. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, Tom. Because, you know, you, you see that, that distinction and, and it's made because he is possessed, right? Mm -hmm. But... Um, that that distinction still remains right where like before the story begins something has changed about tom distinctly mm -hmm. he is no longer interested in the things that he was interested in before uh and you see that in the way that he interacts with jake right where he tells jake like ah eh, like why does basketball matter so much right mm -hmm. calm down i hey i quit the team because i have this other thing that i'm much more interested in um and it's interesting that 
the assumption is that it's it's romance that it's girls right mm-hmm. um and it turns out to be this like weird cultish uh club that he's hanging out at <laughs> that is a is a front for um yerks it's the name of the the possessive aliens the the slugs and yeah just that that distinct difference right where it is it is noticeable that something is different about tom that he has changed uh and must be rescued right that's the whole plot of the story towards the end that's the the central motivating factor that's what convinces um jake to like fully get on board is he's like no i have to save my brother from this change that has happened to him right i have to remove him from that yeah i just i it, it seems like i i wonder what the difference is right if if they are both right if the yerks and the anamorphs are both metaphors for adulthood um then what what is the difference right um because you know is it that you know changing into adulthood as a quote-unquote anamorph is better um than changing into adulthood as a yerk uh, as a controller um or or something else i'm not really sure but uh, i'm curious about the difference between those two things that's fascinating i think what matters more at least to me as a reader is the fact that is the fact that is the fact that you can pinpoint the bad guy to something that almost isn't a physical character like maybe it's personified into uh Vessar 3 was that his name mm-hmm. yeah. uh kind of our our main bad guy here the head bad guy but really it's the fact that people are changing right it's the change is the bad guy uh and they're working together to fight the change but i hadn't thought about what you brought up there that well the change into animals as anamorphs is what's helping them fight the change so it's like they're fighting fire with fire it's like they're fighting adulthood with adulthood and yeah i'm not quite sure what to make of that yet that's really interesting um i am curious what you think of the author's choice in tone uh maybe maybe tone is the wrong word but the author's choice in uh style overall as soon as I, because I also had never read the first one um, and, uh, you know, had skimmed through them as a kid. I don't think I'd ever read a book of the Animorphs from beginning to end before, certainly not as an adult. And so I open it up and I'm reading it. And my first thought is, oh my gosh, it's like a 11 year old wrote this in a journal. How am I going to make it through? <laughs> and then it clicked. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't open it up and think, huh, this adult is trying to write for children. My thought was, oh, a child wrote this book for children. And to me, that's where the sophistication is. 
that the author made a decision to write the book as though they were a child, not as though it's for a child. So they were not an adult writing for a child. They really took on the complete persona of a child and wrote it that way with all of the awkward transitionary words, lots of anyways, whatevers, so, comma, ellipses, dot, dot, dot. It's very much like someone's writing in their journal. And you're making whatever sense you can of it. Uh, even to the point where there's little bits about, you know, in between figuring out how to transform into animals and save the world and fight the alien invaders, he has to mow the lawn and how he doesn't like chores. <laughs> and uh, it's very, um, that's very interesting to me. And I think not only is it an appeal to the audience that it's intended for, but I think it really gets the audience on their side. Because if the whole point is children versus adults, then here we have, if you have an adult writing the book, and if the child reader immediately recognizes that an adult has written this for me, then they'll be turned off immediately. As opposed to them reading it and going, oh, a kid wrote this. I'm on their side. They're on my side. It's us versus them. And the author isn't one of them. The author's one of us. I think that's very intentional. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it also makes um, the nature of, of the story that much more poignant, right? Um, there are a lot of reasons to put this in first person. I'm, I'm really curious to see if uh, we'll, we'll see where the record keeping is happening, right? Because it is implied, you know, when he starts out, right, my name is Jake, this is, that's my first name, I can't tell you my last name. Um, it is, it is implied that he is very explicitly recording this and telling this story at some point, right? And so I'm, I'm very curious to see if, if that is going to show up as the story progresses. Um, but also, I think, um, so, so a little bit of, of backstory that I barely remember. Um, I, I read somewhere at one point when I was thinking about doing this series that um, Catherine Applegate, that's what the K stands for, and her husband uh, conceived of this series, conceived of the Animorph series, uh, kind of inspired by like war dramas. Mm. Um, and so, so the nature of taking a war drama like a, a serialized, I, I can't remember the names of the series that they were referencing, but um, taking this kind of serialized look at like a World War II experience um, mm -hmm. and putting it into the eyes of children um, really establishes the, the struggle and the, the, the problems that come from it, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in violence and action when that's what it is right when 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 you're watching saving private ryan or something mm -hmm. right um and it's it's really easy to get caught up in all of the all of the fun of action right there's there's a part of our brain that really lights up when we experience those things um 
And so when we go from, oh, yeah, let's take a short, shortcut home from school to I'm dying, you have to save the world. Uh, there are people who are going to come after you. They're going to try to take off your heads. Um, like, and all of these things, right? There's, there are so many um, shifts in tone. And I think part of what those shifts in tone are meant to do um, are to remind you that like these are children first off and they are experiencing terrible, horrifying things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I appreciate that that Applegate doesn't let you forget that really. I'm really glad you brought that up because also none of the characters seem to come from traditionally stable families slash homes. And that seems to be intentional too. At least the information we do get, the only information we do get is information about how they come from a not traditionally stable family. So, you know, Tobias is bounced back and forth between, um, an uncle and an aunt who clearly don't want him. And then um, Mark's mother died tragically and his father lost his job because he's drowning in grief and, you know, goes from working as an engineer to working as a janitor and doesn't pay Mark any attention, just watches TV all day. Like, And then we've got the main character, Jake, who we don't hear about his parents much at all they seem to be pretty absent throughout all of this (laughs) um so and that's really the only information we have about these these characters families and so they're they seem to all i will say sorry to interrupt i will say it is implied uh i I think i can't remember who i think marco um does at one point kind of single out jake for having normal parents gotcha um that doesn't necessarily mean that his family life is normal it just means that like other people perceive it to be Mm -hmm. um because you make a good point that like we we don't really see jake's parents at all in this whole story Mm -hmm. um so who knows but um that is kind of explicitly stated that other people perceive jake as having a fairly normal and stable family true Okay. I guess I'm thinking, you know, there's this, you brought up this sudden chaos where they're just walking home from the mall after hanging out, just like regular kids do. They take a shortcut through a construction site. Boom. The world erupts into war, erupts into chaos, right? Just like in the real world, when a country suddenly becomes war-torn, then kids are just thrown into the chaos. And I wonder, you know, the audience it's intended for, they may not all be in a war-torn country at the time that they're reading it, but what are they coming from? What is, for a kid, when you have an unstable family life, it feels like a war zone because that's your whole world. That's your whole world. And previous to the alien encounter these characters were in a war zone in their family lives and 
it may be a bit of a stretch. I might be reaching a bit here. But I think there's supposed to be, I think that's intentional. I think there's a reason that we're getting that information about their families. Um, I think that instead of having one quote unquote normal family at home, uh, and everyone else has quote unquote irregular families, you know, they could have reversed it and just had one character have the not normal family life, but they reversed it. And it seems that there's so far only one character that has what's, what's labeled as a normal family life. And I think for kids, the chaos of aliens invading and attacking the world is the same feeling of when you don't have a stable family life. It's chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Um, honestly, I, you know, we're, we're kind of running out of time and I feel like that's a, that's a really solid thing to end on. Like the, the story that we're looking at is, is a story about chaos um, and how children, but also I wonder, you know, how people react to chaos. Um, and, and I think looking at the, the different types of, of problems that these kids are interacting with and comparing that to uh, the way that they react and engage with um, this new trial that they're encountering is, is a really valuable perspective. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things I really appreciate this about this is um, the, the nature of empathy as, it, as it's described, right? Um, you know, Marco could have been presented as a cowardly character who just was scared, um, but they treat him with so much empathy mm -hmm. uh, because of what he's going through, right? Because of the chaos of his family life. They could have just called him a coward, but they don't. They recognize that he has a reason to not want to participate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's powerful that he chooses to anyway, uh, however, you know, in whatever limited fashion he does. And, and we'll see where that goes. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's every coming of age book and, and movie hangs on the same premise. And I think for a good reason. And it hangs on the premise that you get through it when you stick together, when you when you stick together as friends, something yeah. that's so repeated and so basic, but there's a reason for it. And so Animorphs was no different here, you know? Okay. So uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, Super 8, right? Where an alien monster threatens to destroy their community, the adults and the older teenagers in their lives are completely unreliable. The authority figures are the foolish figures. And it's the kids who have to band together in order to defeat the monster. But they have to do it together. And it's, just, it's, it's the same thing here. And how valuable to a preteen as they are approaching the great dark abyss <laughs> of puberty, that you're not alone. You've got a whole group with you if you so choose to do it together and to stick together, then you are not alone. And 
if that's not one of the most powerful messages, I don't know what it is. You are not alone. Even when aliens are invading your planet and threatening to uh, to destroy the world as you know it, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think we're going to see that theme really emphasized and, and explored in really interesting ways as we uh, continue to read. I'm super pumped to, to keep reading the rest of this. Thanks for listening to Just a Book Club. You can catch us every Wednesday on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Join us next week as we discuss The Visitor, book two of the Animorph series. See you then. This episode of Just a Book Club was edited and audio engineered by Delbar Media. The original theme song was written by Alex Delbar.